How do you know an unpalpated lymph node is up or down? Hello and welcome to this week's Urgent Bite, brought to you by the Royal New Zealand College of Urgent Care. My name is Guy Melrose and today we build on the recent Urgent Bite on Kawasaki disease and consider acute cervical lymphadenopathy in kits. They say that you wait ages for a London bus and then three come along all at once. While I'm sure this feels true, it's no different to the busy shift being linked to a full moon. We remember occasions when these apparent truisms meet the narrative, but in fact the stats do not support them being anything more than a recall bias. Having said that, I cannot help but notice that when I've reviewed a topic or studied a particular condition, a potential case seems to appear on my radar in practice. Reflecting on this phenomenon, there could be two reasons for this. It could be that the raised awareness means I'm looking out for the condition and potentially seeing things that are not there. Give a man a hammer and all he sees is nails. Or it could be that my newly acquired or refreshed knowledge means I'm picking up cases that had previously gone under my radar. Now, obviously, the latter is the desirable situation and the ultimate desired effect of good CPD. But I think that these two potential effects of CPD are actually synergistic, in so much as increasing awareness about a topic or condition should mean that we're on the lookout for it more, and this will mean that we do make the odd referral with concern for something that does not transpire. However, this might also come with the benefit of increased pickup rate overall, which is obviously better for our patients. So I think this anecdotal happenstance I've noticed is probably just a consequence of doing good CPD and not a recall bias like the buses or the full moon. This all crossed my mind recently when I performed a notes audit. One of the cases involved a febrile child with a singular tender lymph node raised in the cervical region. My mind turned to the recent podcast and my readings around Kawasaki's disease, in which a solitary lymph node was one of the cardinal signs. Reading these notes piqued my interest, but there were no other cardinal signs, and the duration was not long, so a case of Kawasaki, it was not. But my CPD antennas twitched in a comment made in the plan. The doctor referenced the Starship Hospital guidelines and made me aware of a statistic I had not seen before. In light of my Kawasaki reading, this then seemed an opportunistic leaping-off point for some further reading. So the statistic mentioned comes from the second paragraph of the Starship Hospital page on cervical lymphadenitis in kids. Acute 
bilateral lymphadenitis is usually a viral respiratory illness. But 40 to 80% of acute unilateral cervical lymphadenitis is attributable to staph or strep infection. The Royal Children's Hospital of Melbourne page also says that unilateral acute lymphadenitis is associated with bacterial causes, but they do not mention a percentage. Looking a little deeper into that statistic of 40-80%, to it seems to have been established in a paper in 1994 by Chesney. I've not found any updated data But if Starship and Melbourne still quote this figure, then it must still be considered current. I must admit, I've not come across this statistic before, but it has been interesting to read about it. While a complete examination is required in all cases of kiddies with fever, and processing of the history and examination, along with any laboratory findings, through the lens of your clinical gestalt, is still best practice in determining a diagnosis and management for a febrile child. It seems, though, that this little statistic can be a helpful additional discriminator. The Starship page suggests treating an acute unilateral cervical lymphadenitis as bacterial with an antibiotic that covers strep and staph. Cephalexin is their first line. We should always have our spider sensors primed for sepsis, and we should, of course, discuss any sick child that we're worried about with the paediatricians. The New Zealand Sepsis Trust Pathways are a great tool to reference if you need to consider sepsis as a possible diagnosis. Always remembering to look for Kawasaki's cardinal signs in the presence of persistent fever and that unilateral lymph node needs separate workup and consideration as well. So my take home from reading this week is just how important palpating the cervical lymph nodes is or any appropriate lymph node for that matter, as part of a thorough workup, and how it should be a standard part of all of our examinations. It could provide a key discriminator in determining if a child could have a strep or staph infection, and combined with the sore throat strep guidelines, could play an important part in reducing the burden of undiagnosed strep. I think it is another part of our history and exam to use when processing the many different potential differentials in our mind, and it might help you decide on when to prescribe an antibiotic, or help guide you in deciding to consider a viral diagnosis, and thereby avoid the unnecessary course of antibiotics. I've linked in the show notes to the Starship and the Melbourne pages, and it's worth looking at them both. The Melbourne page goes into a lot more detail of some of the other causes, especially the viruses to consider, as well as going beyond that which we've discussed here, and looks at the processes of working up persisting lymph nodes or non-acute lymph nodes. This is obviously a much bigger topic, but I do like the flowchart that they've got for guidance in that area. So if you have any comments, questions, corrections or suggestions, please email podcast at rnzcuc.org.nz. 
and we'll be back again next week with another podcast. I look forward to seeing you all then, but for now, thanks for listening.